Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that did not sin after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate-level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. As we continue in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 14 on the unchanging word, we welcome you to this Bible study in this foundational book of Romans. Having finished the first division of the book of Romans, which Dr. Mitchell has entitled, God's Way of Justifying or Declaring Righteous the Ungodly Who Believe in Jesus Christ, we now turn to the second division, which is God's Way of Sanctifying Saints. Dr. Mitchell gives us a short overview of this second division, which covers Romans chapters 5 through 8. In beginning this portion of Scripture, we are faced with a universal fact of death. Where did death come from? Is there any way to escape it? Does a Christian really die? Well, Dr. Mitchell covers these questions in our study today. To begin, let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, here is our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. We again come to you, and we're studying together the epistle of Paul to the Romans. And we'll be dealing with this question of justification from chapters 321 through chapter 5, verse 11. We found that justification, God's way of declaring righteous the sinners who believe in himself. We found it was by simple faith, without works, without ceremonies, without the law. It is faith in the God of resurrection. And again, may I remind you that the important thing is not your faith. The important thing is the object of your faith. In fact, when you come to this question of, of grace, of, of justification, if I may refresh your memory, we're justified by God. That's the source of it. 
We're justified by grace. That's the principle of it. We're justified by the blood. That's the ground for it. We're justified by faith. That's how we receive it. And resurrection is the proof of it. Then the question is raised, can I lose my faith? So in chapter 5, 1 to 11, we have the guarantee of faith. Faith is never destroyed by tests. And the love of God guarantees our faith. He loved us when we were unlovely, helpless, hopeless, ungodly, active sinners, enemies of God. He loved us in that condition and sent his son to die for us. And now if he loved me when I was in that condition, what do you think he'll do for me now that I'm his child? When I was ungodly, hopeless and helpless and active in sin, he loved me enough to give his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me and for you. What will he not do for us now that we belong to him, redeemed, declared righteous, eternal, his children? And notice in the chapter these two little words, much more, much more, much more. If he loved me was when I was ungodly, much more he loves me now than I'm his child. If he loved me enough to give his son to die for me, much more being justified, I'll have a safe place during the time of the wrath of God. That's, uh, that's verse 9. And then if he loved me enough to reconcile me to himself when I was his enemy, what do you think he'll not do for me now that I'm his child? I've been reconciled, enjoying his peace. So the chapter in these first 11, first 11 verses gives us the guarantee of faith which causes us in verse 2 to rejoice because we stand in this wonderful grace and hence we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In verse 11, we rejoice because we have now accepted and received and experienced the reconciliation in Christ, this peace with God with passeth all understanding. Now we come to the second great main division of the book of Romans. The first division was God's way of declaring righteous the ungodly who believe in Jesus Christ. Now we have the second one, God's way of sanctifying saints. This is chapter 5, verse 12, running right through to the end of chapter 8. That's verse 39. Now, having taught this great uh, doctrine of justification, he now prepares to leave this great truth and enter into the sphere of sanctification. We're going to find as we go into this, 11, this fifth chapter from verse 12 to 21, it means more than forgiveness. It means more than being declared righteous. It means the impartation of a new life. If I may be allowed to do this, just to whet your appetites for the rest of it, in chapter 5, we have, we are delivered from death, but delivered from Adam's race, which is under the sentence of death. And the ground of that deliverance is the death, of Je death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In chapter 6 of Romans, we are delivered from sin as a master, as a principle of operation in our lives. And this is also done through the death of our Savior. In chapter 7, we are delivered from the law as a rule of life and from its bondage. And this is always on the ground of the death and resurrection of Christ. When we come to chapter 8, in that marvelous chapter, we are in Christ Jesus. 
and what safer, better place than can we be in but in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to chapter 5, and he discusses the question uh, of what we were in Adam and what we are now in Christ. He is, he is talking about two races of people. In fact, you're reading your Bible of two Adams. The first Adam, who brought ruin to the human race, and the last Adam, Christ Jesus. They're just two Adams. Um, we, and in this passage, we have what we were in Adam and what we are now in Christ. And we are either seen in Adam or we are seen in Christ. Now, the first thing I want you to mark is that death reigns from verses 12 to 14. And the whole human family has been affected by this. Now, you may not agree with me on this. You may not agree with the Apostle Paul when he wrote this. But brother, whether you agree or not, this is the fact. You can't dodge the facts. Listen to it. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that did not sin after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now what he's talking about here is the whole human race was affected by the sin of Adam. When Adam sinned, death came in. Now this is what he's going to be dealing with. The whole race was affected by Adam's sin. Even when there was no law of Moses, nevertheless, death reigned. Before there was any, any laws, sin was here. You can't get away from the fact of sin. What caused the flood? Sin. What caused the Tower of Babylon being dispersed among, uh, upon the earth? Sin. What caused God to confound their languages? Sin. This was centuries before the law was given. But sin was here and death was here. And wherever you find death, you find sin. In other words, when Adam sinned, an outward force came into the race and ruled. Death reigned. And I might tell you, my friend, death has manifested its authority over the human race. Sin is a deadly thing. The wages of sin, chapter 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And wherever you turn, we see these two things, sin and death. Sin entered the human race, and death entered the human race. And you can't get away from its footage. I don't care what part of the world you go to, you have this thing, sin and death. How can I get rid of my sin? Through Jesus Christ who bore my sin. How can I get free? How can I be freed from death? Through the same Savior who died that you might not die. I'm talking about an eternal death. I'm not talking so much about the death of the body. That's included. But we have hope for the body. Tell me, why does a baby die? Here's a baby. 
lives to be two or three, four months of age. May only live a week. May only live a day. Why does it die? Because it was born in a family where death reigns. Born in a human race where death reigns. My friend, you can't get away from it. Death reigns. And the only way you'll ever get rid or freed or emancipated from death, and I'm including now the whole man, is to be in Jesus Christ. Oh, but you say Christians die. No, Christians don't die. Christians have eternal life, resurrection life. We may put our bodies in the grave. The bodies may go back to dust, but the believer still lives. He go, in fact, he goes right into the very presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul taught that in Philippians as well as Corinthians. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. We have hope. Do you have hope? Sometimes when I talk to men about their relationship to Jesus Christ, they'll tell me, why, Mr. Mitchell, you have your philosophy and I have mine. Well, I ask the question, all right, you've got a different philosophy of life. What hope do you have? After death, what hope do you have? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. And all the philosophies of men end in death with no hope. No hope. When Jesus Christ bore our sin, was buried, he was raised again from the dead by the glory of the Father to give hope. He brought into being a new race of people where death does not reign. I look around me in Portland and Oregon, wherever you go, all over the world, you find death, death reigns, death reigns, whether rich or poor, bond or free, religious or irreligious, death reigns today. Is it possible that God in his wonderful love and grace has made provision whereby we can be delivered from death? That's right. That's right. Jesus said, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. He could say in John 14, 19, because I live, you shall live also. I am the resurrection and the life. We're just as sure of it as we are that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. You say, Mr. Mitchell, I don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All right. What hope do you have? You don't have any hope. You don't have any hope. You see, sin reigns today. Death reigns. And I'll tell you, I've been a pastor for a great many years, and some of the hardest things that we have to go through is to take a precious baby. Here's a, here's a young couple. They've been longing for a baby, and they get a baby, and the baby dies. When it's lived four or five months, it's harder yet, and the baby dies because it was born in sin. Is there any way we can get deliverance from this terrible enemy of death? Yes, yes. Jesus said to the people of his day, and he says it to you and to me, he that believeth on me, on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into judgment, but is passed, is passed from death and from life. 
In Romans 8, 2, we read, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath set me free from the law of sin and the law of death. And whether you want to believe it or not, these verses are true. Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But you say to me, Mr. Mitchell, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe in Adam. I don't believe those stories in the first 11 chapters of the Bible. And I include some preachers on that. When I accept the Bible, I accept the first 11 chapters. Tell me then, how did death come into the human race? Do you think God created man to die? You see, he just follows certain laws. Yes, and what is the law? The soul that sinneth it shall die. The wages of sin is death. And you can't separate them. David wrote in the 51st Psalm, I was born in sin, shapen in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. What's the result? Death. So the apostle in writing here, having taken up the wonderful doctrine of, of redemption, of reconciliation, of justification, of forgiveness, and so on, now he comes to a new thing. How can we Christians be sanctified, live a life pleasing to God? So the very first thing is he must take us out of Adam's race, where death reigns. Now, from verses 15 to 19, he gives to us contrasts. And he's going to talk about the fact that Christ's one act at the cross brought justification of life. Now, remember, Adam's one sin brought ruin to the human race. And, friend, you can't deny that. The human race is under the sentence of death. Death reigns today. This is the footage of one man who brought sin into his family and he's carried it right on down through the centuries. My father and mother died. Uh, if the Lord tarry, I'll die too. Why? Because I, I was brought into a human race by my parents who were sinners and death reigned. And likewise, their parents and right back to Adam. And whether you like it or no, death reigns today. And with all man's ingenuity, man still lives three score years and ten, if by reason of strength, four score years, you might even be a hundred, very few of them. In fact, the average age in America is somewhere between 60 and 70. And if what I read the other day is correct, the average is going down, not up. It's going down with all our scientific research. It's going down. Now, we've got to face this issue. I have sinned. The penalty of sin is death. How can I get rid of both of them? I want to get rid of sin. That was settled in chapter 3 and 4 and 5. But what about death? Death pays wages. God executes the penalty. How am I going to get free? So from verses 
15 to 19, we have the fact that Jesus Christ, one act on the cross, brought justification of life. And when God justifies a man, he communicates a new life. A life that is not contaminated. A life over which death doesn't even cast a shadow. It's his life. It's his life. That's what he means in John chapter 1. Allow me to quote those verses again to you from verses 10 through verse 13, where Jesus said, or John wrote, Our Lord was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The world did not know its creator. Verse 11, He came unto his own, and his own people received him not. The Jews rejected their Messiah. Now what shall God do? The Gentiles rejected their creator. The Jews rejected their Messiah. What shall God do? So God decides to bring in a new race of people. A new race of people over which death doesn't even cast a shadow. So I read verse 12 and 13. But to as many as receive Jesus Christ, to them he gives the right, the authority to to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, who are born not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who are born of God. And God being eternal, when sinners accept his precious son, they're born from above. They're born into a new family. They're born into a new race where death doesn't even cast a shadow. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of a life, that kind of a salvation, friend? Well, you can. You find it in Jesus Christ. For when Jesus Christ saves a man, he not only forgives him his sin, he not only covers him with his own righteousness, but he imparts unto him a new life, a new life and a new nature. This is what the Apostle Peter writes when he said, by these exceeding great and precious promises, we have become partakers of the divine nature, belonging to a new race, to a new family. Death reigns in the old family of Adam because of sin. Now I have been translated out of Adam's race into a new race where death doesn't even cast a shadow. Wouldn't you like that transformation? And that translation, there's only one to do it, friend, and that's Jesus Christ, God's wonderful Son. That's why I tell you, God in his wonderful love commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he's right now willing to translate you out of the kingdom of darkness where death reigns into the kingdom of his dear Son where love reigns. It's up to you. God has made all the provision. Will you then today accept Jesus Christ, God's Son, as your personal Savior? And I'll guarantee not only forgiveness, but the impartation of a new life, a, an eternal life, a resurrection life, comes from Him and from Him alone. And you receive Him today. And the Lord bless you for His name's sake. Like Jesus, 
for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.